before I get into the message, let's pray. Father God, I thank you right now, Lord, for every mind, every heart to be open here and to understand your word. I thank you, Father God, for your wisdom, for your guidance to deliver your message in truth, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so I was not supposed to preach today. It was meant to be Ven. Thank you for swapping. Uh, we're actually away next weekend. Um, but uh, it was, I thought, well, it's, it's actually a great opportunity because I got, didn't get to finish a message on the armor of God last week. So I'm going to continue that today. And I'm going to aim to finish off my series that I started in February of Ephesians. So, yay, praise God. I don't know what I've got next, but let's see. Got to trust in him, depend on him. And that's actually what we're going to be praying about, uh, preaching about and we've been talking about. So once again, you preach my message. Thank you for that. <laughs> Just like last week. Next time when I'm preaching, I'm going to ask that you not come up here before. No, I'm joking. <laughs> you did a great job. You did a great job. <laughs> You're a champion. Um, so we've been on a journey this year, 2022, uh, of a, on a theme or a focus of loving people. Um, we've heard so many inspiring messages from our huge team of preachers, and it's so good that the Holy Spirit working through every one of us, every one of them, just every week, the messages, how they tie in perfectly together. Um, even uh, I was talking to Ven uh, during the week, and he said, oh, your, your message, I was going to preach on, you know, it was a great continuation of your message from last week. I was going to preach on something, and it was really tied in well. And I, and, and I said, oh, well, sorry, I can't do next week. So anyway, it was soft, and he said, would you like me to tell you what it is? I'm like, no, I don't want to know. I do not want to know because I know that the Holy Spirit will do something, and he'll still work through it, and we've got to trust him. So... I'm looking forward to it anyway. But yeah, this is all part of God equipping the saints in the church. And not through one, like you said, John, very well, but through the many and uh, using the multiple gifts within the church. And uh, the times that I've been on, I've been preaching on Ephesians 4, 5, and 6. And uh, I've kept repeating it. And Lisa was in the car singing today, already preparing for the 27th of July. I'm like, what are you singing? You keep repeating it. She was like, I've got to remember the words. I've got to remember the words. I'm like, but you've got, you got like three weeks to go, man. No, got, it's good. I've got to remember it now. I'm like, wow, man, that's pretty cool. So the power of repetition. So I've been, uh, I've been on this for quite some time, just talking about Ephesians 4, 5, and 6, and where Paul describes that loving, what loving people looks like in the Word and, uh, and what loving people looks like when a believer is transformed by the power of his love and uh, the power of that immeasurable love of God and by the leading of the Holy Spirit within us. See, Ephesians says that as a believer, we are a child of God. We are adopted. We are adopted as a child of God. It's beautiful. We have a new identity in Christ. When you believe in Christ, you actually get a new identity. We put on this new form of living. That's the power that we got. We've got this new form of living we put on a new godly perspective according to God's word in the fullness of his love overflowing through us, through our minds and our hearts. And as a believer, we're no longer bound by those evil desires, the selfish impulses of the world, things like greed, lust, power, jealousy, envy, bitterness. Paul calls this the works of the devil, actually, and uh, talked about the devil a little bit last week. And the devil pulls on our selfish nature, pulls on our selfish desires. And uh, Ephesians, uh, Paul said in Ephesians like this, in uh, Ephesians 2, 1 to 3, 
He said, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers of the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. So the spirit at work. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. See, Paul says the devil works through those that are disobedient to God. Man, that's painful, eh? The devil works through those that have been corrupted by the world, corrupted by evil desires, burning inside, being slaves to this sinful nature within us, unable to break free from destructive habits and selfishness. So Paul, in chapter 4, he begins to describe the contrast of this selfishness against, and all these destructive ways, against a believer and against how believers should live, against what happens when a believer takes on this new form, this new identity in Christ. Hey, all right, so he, say, he says this, Ephesians 4, 1 to 3, therefore, so therefore, I love the death, therefore, because you know you're a child of God, because of the identity of Christ within you, because of the transformational power of God's love within inside you, I, the President of the Lord, urge you to walk worthy of the calling you have received with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. So Paul is saying, at the very least, at the very least, this new identity in Christ and this new love flowing inside of you should flow through you, expressing humility, expressing gentleness, patience, bearing in, in love and unity, empowering every believer to fulfill the mission of God inside of them, to fulfill the mission that God has placed in their lives of loving God and loving people. And there's so many interpretations of that, depending on everyone's gifts and personalities, so many ways that that can be expressed. See, the Bible doesn't say to love God and be bitter and despise people. It doesn't say that, does it? No. The Bible doesn't say to love God and live a comfortable, quiet, and secluded life. It doesn't say that. The Bible doesn't say to love God and put all your focus on your career and your business. It doesn't say that. The Bible doesn't say to love God and just make as much money as possible and put as much money as you can in the bank. The Bible doesn't say that. Spewing. <laughs> the Bible doesn't say to love God and live a selfish life, living only for your wants, only for your desires, only for your dreams. The Bible doesn't say that. And actually, many Christians and leaders still live this way. Oh, praise the Lord. The Bible, doesn't, the Bible says, it doesn't say all of this, but the Bible does say that this new life in Christ empowers us to love God and love people in all humility gentleness, patience, love, and unity. Praise the Lord. That is our purpose in life. We no longer live this short-view life. We don't longer live this short life that we live here. We don't live for ourselves anymore. We don't live for our own selfish reasons anymore. That's the new life in Christ. But we live for God and His eternal plans for our lives. This new perspective empowers us to walk in unity with one another, which I've been talking about. To walk in purity with every moral decision you need to make in your life. 
every day sometimes, actually every day, all the time, to walk in harmony with your family and work relationships, which I've been talking about. But it's impossible to live this Christian life on our own. Impossible. We need to remain connected to God through a genuine relationship with God. We need the power of God's Spirit working through our inner being to continue to walk worthy of our calling, that Paul says. Praise the Lord. I'm getting happy, man. I'm getting really happy. I better calm down. And that's, and that's what I touched on uh, uh, the last six months now. <laughs> and uh, last week, I touched on the armor of God. That's where I left off. The armor of God is simply standing in who you are in Christ. Standing. Standing in who we are. Strengthened by the power of the Holy Spirit. Transformed in His love. So that we can withstand the forces of darkness. So that we can withstand the forces of evil desires. And stand in our new identity in Christ. No longer being in fear of people. Or fear of the future. Or fear of words. Negative words. Or even fear of this world and the future of this world and where it's going. No longer need to be in fear of that. See, Paul uses the metaphor of an impenetrable Roman armor to liken God's attributes on a Christian. And uh, I, I read this out last week. I'll just touch on it quickly. Ephesians six fourteen to 17. Stand therefore with truth like a belt around your waist, righteousness like, your, like armor on your chest, and your feet sandaled with readiness for the gospel of peace. In every situation, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. That's the one I'm going to touch on today. See, we put on the belt of truth, knowing Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Remember, I talked about that last week. The Romans, they needed that belt because they used to wear the long robes. And when they're running in war, they're going to trip up. They needed to tighten it really hard. That's their truth, man. If they didn't have that on tight, it would have just fallen off. And guess what? You're gone. See, the knowledge of his truth prepares us for battle, for battle. And the battle is the lies, the deception that we face every day, even within ourselves. Putting on truth helps you to be honest with yourself, not compromising your Christian values. Sometimes it's hard to stand on the truth, eh? We like to, you know, just a little bit of deception. It's okay, I'm comfortable. But man, when you, when you face your life in front of the truth, mate, it hurts sometimes. But it's good. It's good, and I'll explain to you why. We put on the breastplate of righteousness, knowing that as a believer, there's nothing standing between you and God. No sin, no guilt, no shame. Just clear, Jesus cleared the way for us. He cleared the way for us on the cross. Our right relationship with God protects our hearts. It gives us the strength and the ability to love others. We put on the sandals of the gospel of peace, the good news of the gospel, the good news of his eternal salvation brings peace in our mind and peace in our heart. We are empowered to share the gospel with others. See, peace in your mind and peace in your heart. Why? Because you know that there's an eternal kingdom. You know that this world is only short, short-lived. You can have peace. We take that, that shield of faith, trusting God above all else, trusting in his faithfulness, trusting in his salvation, trusting in his eternal promises, trusting in his unfailing love. 
Trusting in God above all else is like holding up that impenetrable Roman shield. We put on the helmet of salvation, knowing for certain that we are children of God. When you know for certain, I'm breakable, I know. He forgives us when you know that he forgives you. Mate, unbreakable. He reconciles us with himself when you know that you know with that. And he saves us into an eternal kingdom in eternity. We put on God's truths like armor. We can withstand the forces of darkness. When we put them on, we can withstand. We can withstand the evil desires and the temptations that we face every day. Okay, that's what I, where I got, got up to last week. Now let's continue. <laughs> so next Paul says, okay, we're ready. We got the armor of God. You got the armor of God. You put on the belt of truth. You put on that breastplate of righteousness. You put on the shoes of the gospel of peace. You took on the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation. And next we take up the sword of the spirit. It says in Ephesians six seventeen, um, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. See, the secret power behind God's word is the Holy Spirit. Those who have received Christ and have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of them have the power to use the sword of the word of God. Amen? How good is that? And to understand the, how the power of the sword of the Spirit works and, uh, and how it can be used as a protection against the enemy, we need to understand the connection between the sword and the word. And it says it like this in Hebrews 4.12. And it explains the sword of the Spirit. It said, For the word of God is living and effective, and sharper than any double-edged sword, penetrating as far as the separation of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. I think we spoke about this a little bit yesterday. See, if the sword of his word is going to be part of your life and be effective... It needs to work both ways, right? The sword is not one-sided. It's double-sided. A lot of people try to defeat the enemy without letting the word and the sword work on them. And when it, when it doesn't work on you, it doesn't work at all. It's not sharp enough. Many think the sword of the Spirit is just quoting scriptures. I know all the scriptures. It makes them feel self-righteous. I know so much of the word. It makes everyone feel, you know, even sometimes using it to their own advantage in, an, in their own self-serving way. No one in this church, all right? I'm trying to look above everyone so no one gets... <laughs> See, it's a, it's a misinterpreted and misapplied truth, the scripture. Many of, you, many of us even are quick to blame the devil, quick to blame everyone around us. Quick to blame society. We blame everything and everyone around us for everything, for all of our sins and all of our actions. The devil made me do it. You made me do it. I'm offended because of you. You hurt me. You did it. It's your fault. But never really taking responsibility for the way that they respond. It's a good excuse, eh? When you put the blame on others and the sword doesn't cut that offense the sword doesn't cut that insecurity inside of you. It's easy. Put my hand up first, okay, to do it. I've done it many times, okay? Sorry. Sorry, Lord. <laughs> it's always someone's fault. Externally. Oh, 
I knew a pastor that, that, that did that. Many pastors do that. Many leaders do that. A lot of people even try to use the word of God to try to defeat the devil. Ha, 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 ha. Come on. They try hard. They take authority over the devil. They try to pull down the strongholds over people. They try to pull down the strongholds over cities. Praying up a storm. Mate, sometimes you've got to unblock your ears so loud. But their prayers aren't effective. I'm not saying everybody, okay? I'm just talking in general. Because it's impossible to cut down the devil when there are parts within us that are actually in agreement with the devil. Praise the Lord. That one hurt me. For the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, to be effective around you, it needs to cut you. It's got to cut into you. Cutting away the temptations. Cutting away the evil desires that agree with the devil. Cutting away those deep, hidden, dark parts in the heart that cause us to be disobedient with God. Oh, am I too loud? I think I'm too loud. All right, good. I'm getting passionate. Sorry. <laughs> For the sword of the Spirit to be effective, it needs to cut into the deepest parts of our lives, showing us the attitudes that we need to change, the actions that I need to change, the new perspective that I need to have. It can expose the thoughts, the intent, the attitudes, the motives of the heart. Sometimes we don't even know the intents, the motives, the thoughts, and the actions. Sometimes we don't even know. We do things on autopilot from internal triggers or past, beyond even our own reasoning. You know, maybe you grew up in a male-dominated home, an abusive home, or an abusive situation, and now you have hatred and bitterness towards men. You can't shake it off. Maybe you've been slandered by people, gossiped about by people, and now you can't resist to do the same. Right? It's true. It's all human condition, eh? Maybe you've been taken advantage of. Now you prejudge everyone and isolate yourself. Maybe even taken advantage of others, putting others down to lift you up. Maybe you struggled with addiction and the pleasure keeps pulling you in to repeat it again and again. Maybe you've opened up the door to sexual promiscuity and your flesh only wants more and more. Sometimes we don't even know our intents, our motives, our actions. We don't even know why we do what we do sometimes. But God does. God does. Through the word, God's spirit speaks to us. There is light in his word. It enlightens us. The word of the spirit cuts into my heart and exposes the truth within me. Praise the Lord. Thought-provoking today, huh? I didn't realize it was going to be like this. I'm happy, I'm happy. Sorry, I love truth, man. I, I, I just hurt myself with the truth, and it's good, because it, it's good that you, to be honest with yourself. So don't take any of this as condemnation. Put it against your life, the word of truth. So good. His word is a sharp so- sword going straight into sin, the selfishness, the evil in me, exposing where the enemy is. The sword of the Spirit cuts through that intent, the attitude, the motives, 
The sword, the sword of the Spirit can cut through and expose any ego, any self-righteous attitudes hidden underneath that people can't see, that only you can. The sword of the Spirit can cut out the sin, the lust, the selfishness, the evil desires, even the bitterness that's in our flesh, where the, evil, the devil likes to hide in there, likes to use it. The sword of the Spirit helps us to face some of these struggles and difficulties of temptation in our lives. The sword of the Spirit comes in a, in, and makes clear division between your soul and your spirit. It makes a clear division, the sword of the Spirit. And I'm talking about the Word of God, all right? Removing any emotional motives or confusion or feelings that clouds our judgment. God's Word is pure light. Pure light. There is no shadow in Him at all. <laughs> Psalm 119, 105. Your Word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. This is the Word of God. The Word of God helps us to make the right decisions. The Word of God makes, helps us to make wise decisions. Only the sword of the Spirit can cut this stuff out. We can't do it on our own. And yes, there is pain. Yes, it's easier to blame and avoid responsibility and hide it. <laughs> yes, it's easier to pretend. Yes, it is. But we can only be truly free when we allow His Word of the Spirit to cut through. God can free us. He can mature us if we trust Him and give Him the freedom to allow His Word to transform us. God can change us. Even the guilt, the shame, the disappointment, or even the hurt that runs deep, God can heal that. The sword of the Spirit protects me when it works both ways, not one way. It protects me as it works on me, and it protects me as it works for me, both ways. Then I can defeat, I can defeat the devil and walk in victory. Walk in victory, that last song. Good choice. It's funny, we don't even know what we're going to preach. I don't even know the song. It's, it just works out really well. Thank you, God, not us. It's his church, not our church. That's why it's necessary to be reading or listening to God's word on a daily basis. It gives the opportunity for the Spirit of God to take specific scriptures and apply them directly to your life. It brings a lot of truth when you know the word of God into all your situations. When you're discouraged, you need a word from God. Maybe read a psalm to remind you of God, of his faithfulness. I read the psalms every morning. Every day I read it. One, one psalm, just one chapter every day. Uh, it, I think it's a, three, uh, it's, a, uh, it's a plan that I do. One chapter of psalms, one chapter of proverbs every single day. I've been doing it for so long. But man, it's so good. It reminds me of how faithful God is. It helps me to see things and put things in perspective. I didn't know it could do that. But I know there's been a few times when I haven't, and I can carry on my day. I just busy. I just wake up late. Oh, man, I feel it. But when I read his word, it, it just, even if it's not applicable sometimes, but something, a word, faithfulness. God, you're faithful. I love you. Thank you so much. I can depend on you. God, I can depend on you. Even when I'm in the cave and I'm about to die, David was saying, I could still depend on you. I could still trust in your faithful love. Man, imagine that inside of you. Can you imagine that inside of you? 
Praise the Lord. So good. When you're faced with difficult and self-absorbed people, <laughs> you need a word from God reminding you of his love and, and that you are also in sin yourself, eh? Romans 5, 8 says, But God proves his own love for us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So we can go do the same. Not die for them, but we can go and love them, even though they were still sinners. When you find your priorities shifting towards the world into selfishness, lust, you need a word, word from God that reminds you that Christ is enough. Colossians 2, 9 to 10, For the entire fullness of God's nature dwells bodily in Christ, and you have been filled with him. Filled, you know when you're filled, you can't fill it up with anything else. We all know what that anything else is. I've given enough examples for today. When you get fearful of the future, when you think you don't have enough and start getting greedy and accumulating everything, right, for yourself, and you need a word of God to remind you that you don't need to worry. You need a word of God to remind you to seek Him and remember that He will supply every need. David quoted that today, uh, yesterday, sorry, Matthew 6.33. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. It realigns your thoughts. Ah, true. I don't, have to, I don't have to go with that emotion. I don't have to go with that thought. It reminds you. It corrects your thinking. You need that. If you're timid or afraid in a situation at work, or you're stepping out and doing something new, or even sharing the gospel, and you need a word of God that Paul, like Paul, what Paul gave to Timothy. 2 Timothy 1.7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and sound judgment. Man, I, I can't tell you, four years ago when I had to come and preach, twice, morning and night, man, I had no idea what I was doing. I had only probably been up here five, ten times, like to do a quick tithing or something. Oh, man, I was freaking out. And uh, I just kept saying to myself under my breath, God's not giving me a spirit of fear to me, but power of love to mind. God, God, man, I kept repeating it. I kept repeating it, kept repeating it inside me, kept repeating it inside me. And it became now... I'm not a public speaker. You serious? Out of all things? Come on, God. Why would you do this to me? I, you know, I've got to put it all on the table. I've got to be real with myself. I can't. But, you know, here I am. The power of God. The power of God. Every situation we face, every, te- every temptation we face, we, c- we can overcome when we use the word of God. It takes time to learn the Word of God, right? Time in His Word, time in His presence, so the Spirit of God can help us understand His Word and use it effectively. No one's ever been, been, been effective just by a, one happy chance. Oh, that quickly worked. You know, as get-rich-quick things, as a happy chance. But it doesn't work like that in the Word of God. You've got you to gotta be real. You've got to live it. You've got to go and have those character-building moments of disappointment. You've got to go and, and, and understand and reflect on the Word of God when you're going through difficulties. You've got to go through it and trust in Him. It helps you to believe that He's really there with you. I struggled with that early on. Like, God, are you really there? I don't know. I can't see you with my eyes. Are you really there, Lord? But, mate, the Word of God puts Him there in my heart. In the eyes of my heart. Praise the Lord. Okay. 
It's a time. Let's speed up a little bit. So if you're going to be effective defeating temptations and struggles that come your way, then you need to be intentional to know God's word. Be intentional to know God's word. The word of God has purpose. The word can penetrate and make the enemy ineffective and defeated. And that's exactly what Jesus did when he was tempted by the devil in the wilderness. The devil came, he offered him all the kingdoms of the world, all the power, all the wealth. Mate, most of us would have crumbled. But Jesus silenced and defeated the devil with the word of God. So whatever devil, whatever evil, whatever temptation you might be facing today, allow his word in you and let it go through you. Amen? That's exciting. Effectively using the sword of the spirit, the word of God, to bring you victory. Romans thirteen fourteen says, Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make, make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. It takes a bit of training. You can't do it on your own. We've got to put on Christ. Our battles will be won. The glory of God will be honored around us. We'll glorify God. People will see, huh? It's different, right? The kingdom of God will advance in us and through us. Amen? What's that? The armor of God is a picture of Christ himself. The armor of God is a picture of Jesus. He is the truth. The belt of truth. He is the righteousness, the breastplate of righteousness. He is the peace, the gospel of peace. He is the source of our faith, the shield of faith. He is our, our salvation, the helmet of salvation. Christ is the living word of God. Jesus Christ is the living word of God. You know what? And Paul could have even stopped right there. And it would have been a great letter, powerful letter. Mate, but there's something missing, right? There's one thing that ties all of this together. One thing that activates everything in this letter makes it real. So after Paul urges every, every believer to put on God's armor, he finishes it by saying, you've got to pray. You've got to pray. See, prayer is not mentioned as a physical armor, but it's what binds everything together. See, without prayer, we don't even have a personal relationship with God. I've heard of so many people that have studied the Word of God, that know the Word of God, but still don't have a personal relationship with Him. Can quote every scripture back to front, but still their life is no different than anyone else. The relationship is what makes the difference. If we are to be effective putting on God's armor, that is taking His attributes, His character, standing in our new identity in Christ, then we need to be determined to develop this prayer relationship with God so that we can live a life worthy of our calling. Walking in unity, walking in purity, walking in harmony, walking in victory, bringing glory to God in our community. Paul says in, in Ephesians 6.18, pray at all times in the spirit with every prayer and request and stay alert with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. See, when we think of the, of the Spirit, many Christians, especially modern-day Pentecostals, we think of all the external expressions, like praying in tongues, the holy rollers, the ones that run up and down the aisle, falling under the power of the Spirit. That's powerful, but we, that's, straight away we think about that when we read that. Pray in the Spirit. But praying in the Spirit is not just about an external expression. 
Because sometimes when we make it about an external expression, we try to impress God with how external it became, right? By how long we prayed for. We try to impress him. We try to impress others. I know plenty of people that pray in tongues like autopilot and don't have a deep relationship with God. But when we try to impress God, think about this. When you try to impress God, it no longer becomes about God. It becomes about us. What the, what's the point of that then? What's the point of that? But when we, you know, we, we, we can't, we can't just think about the external. We can't, it's, it's there, there are external expressions. But sometimes we can try to impress. See, prayer doesn't begin with that external expression. It starts with an internal connection with God. It has to do with the deep reverence for God and His Word. It starts there. When our mind is filled with a deep reverence for God, our heart overflows of prayer. The Bible says the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Understanding, knowing that you're just a person. You're just a human. You need God in your life. Prayer is a complete dependence on the Holy Spirit to bear work through our lives. Jude in, in uh, chapter 120 says, But you, dear friends, must build up your lives ever more strongly upon the foundation of your holy faith, learning to pray in the power and strength of the Holy Spirit. See, when it comes to genuine prayer, it has nothing to do with your power. It has nothing to do with your ability, nothing to do with your strength. It has everything to do with you depending on the Holy Spirit of God who works inside you, leading you and guiding you through prayer. See, the Holy Spirit will help us pray every request. The Holy Spirit will help us pray and be alert in our prayers. The Holy Spirit will help us persevere in our prayers. The Holy Spirit will help us to pray for others. And when we pray in this way, connecting with God in a deep reverence to Him, depending on the Holy Spirit, Trusting in God above all else, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit has an intimate knowledge and discernment inside of us. Even when we're feeling down, discouraged, and we're going through a lot, we don't know what to pray, the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. Look at Romans 8.26. I'm nearly done. Romans 8.26. In the same way, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness, because we do not know what to pray for as we should but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with inexpressible groanings. When we decide to connect to God through prayer, it's more than just words. It's heart. The Holy Spirit intercedes for you. Inexpressible groans come out of you. Thank you, God. Just, man, thank you so much. A deep reverence for God comes out when you depend on him. God, I can't do this without you. Trusting in Him above all else. Trusting that God works all things out for good. Man, I'm going through so much pain right now, Lord, but I trust you that, God, you will turn all things around for good. Mate, that, that is Christianity. Trusting God. Trusting in His unfaithful love. God, I feel abandoned right now. I've been taken advantage of. Someone's hurt me really bad. But, God, I trust in your faithful love that you, God, will never abandon me powerful, trusting in his truth and salvation. 
Our lives are filled with reminders that we can't make it on our own. That we're imperfect people living in a broken world, following a perfect God and a loving Father. And our God stands ready to provide us with strength, wisdom, courage to stand up in our lives, to stand against the enemy. All we need to do is ask him, depend on him, depend on the Holy Spirit to help you pray. Amen? God is good. We need a complete dependency on him if we're going to endure this Christian journey to the end. can't do this on our own. We can't, we can't do this life, this eternal life without God. It removes our focus when we depend on him. It removes our focus from ourselves and puts it on him. See, from the very beginning, we've been designed to depend on him. That's what, how he's designed us. We're not designed to carry the weight of our world on our shoulders. There's so many scriptures about that. We need to depend on him for our salvation. Think about this. Dependence everywhere. Depend on him for our salvation. We need to depend on him for our new identity in Christ. We need to depend on him to love others, to walk in unity, to walk in purity, to walk in harmony. We need to depend on him for our spiritual armor to overcome the enemy and temptations. We need to depend on him to effectively use the word of God. We need to depend on him to stand firm. We need to depend on him in prayer, depending on God in our whole Christian lives. Praise the Lord. God's good. Amen. Glory to God. Would you bow your heads and pray? Let's reflect on his words. So good. Thank you, Father God. Thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you so much, Lord. We thank you, God, that you help us to depend on you, Lord. In everything that we do, we thank you, Lord, that we can depend on you. We can trust you, God. We invite your Holy Spirit right now to lead us, to guide us, show us the truth, show us our lives. We thank you that we can stand firm, Lord, in our identity in Christ. Give us the courage to put on Christ, the very armor of God. Lord, we put, our, we put our trust in you, Lord. Lord, help us to put on your truth, your righteousness, your peace, your salvation. We thank you that the spirit of faith will rise up within us, Lord God. And Holy Spirit, we're depending on you, even in this prayer right now. Spirit of God within us, we're depending on you, Lord. We rely on you even right now, Lord, to make a move. Anywhere, God, where we've been resisting your word, we know the truth, God. Every person in this room knows the truth. Lord God, let us move towards your truth. Help us to have an open heart, Lord. And God, any area where we're afraid to move in your truth, we ask you for courage. We ask you for clarity. We ask you, Lord, to help us. Your word says that even though we work, we walk through the valley of shadow of death, you're with us. So right now, the areas in our hearts that are painful, that we don't even want to go there, that we've been hiding for so long, 
God, reveal your truth in the area. Lord God, reveal your truth. Help us to be honest with ourselves. Help us to not compromise your truth, which is now our truth. We thank you, God, that you will reveal your word in us today more and more each day. We thank you, Father, that you place a desire in our hearts to want to know your word more, to want to connect to you through, our, through your word. I pray that the eyes of our hearts are open and flooded with your light, flooded with your truth, your word. We ask you to put a desire in us to want to know you in a personal, deep way. Help us to be effective with the sword of the Spirit, Lord, so that you can overcome every evil and so that we can overcome every evil and desires and temptations that we face every day. Help us to overcome the devil and his lies. Like you prayed for Peter, the apostle, but you knew that the enemy was after him, the devil was after him. But God, you prayed that he will be strengthened. And we ask you right now for strength. Thank you, Father God. Strengthen us through the power of your Holy Spirit. Let us not depend on our own abilities, but your ability, God. We need you. We can't do this without you, Father God. If there's anyone right now in your, in your heart where, you, where you've not had a loving relationship with God, even if you've been away for a while um, and you'd like to reconnect with Him, how about you pray with me right now? Just repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I believe you are Lord and you are Lord over my life. Forgive my past. Open my eyes to your truth. Teach me your ways. Teach me to stand in my identity in Christ. Teach me to take a stand in my life. Teach me how to love you and how to love others. Amen. God is good.